0: Well, hello, I'm Doug Apple, back with another special interview for you today. You've heard us talking about the high price of medical care, your health care costs, your health insurance. I've got a huge question. Why do the costs keep going up? Well, we have a man who's going to answer that question for us and also talk to us about how we can save money when it comes to that little health category in your personal budget. Mike Sharman, he is the legal counsel for Share Healthcare, our kind of our resident expert on such issues. You've been hearing the ads for Share Healthcare here on Wave 94. They bought a little airtime, but we're gonna go into deeper into this subject. And uh, Mike, I read this uh headline it says MIT expert calls for a total overhaul of the U.S. health insurance system. Well, probably nobody would care about a total overhaul if the price felt Fine, but the price never feels fine, it seems like. There's costs are going up. Uh, can you give us a little uh, education on what is behind the cost going up for health care, health insurance, the whole ball of wax, and then how can people save money?
1: Well, thanks, Doug, for that invitation to explain all the ills of our uh, current U.S. economy. Yes, all of them, please. <laughs> because it, it goes to everything: too much government intervention, uh, too many monopolies and oligarchies, um, and no individual responsibility, and no corporate responsibility. I mean, and and then uh, government elected officials just wanting to please people who are saying, "Give us more! Give us more! Give mm-hmm. us more!" So, one, let's let's just think of the idea of uh, a monopoly is mono, one that one entity would have control over that entire industry. So we have monopolies geographically in healthcare. Some uh, hospital systems and some insurance entities may be the only practical solution in a particular area. So they don't have any price pressure. They charge what they want, and that's that. We have oligarchies. Uh, that's a few entities control that entire market, which is true throughout the United States of healthcare systems. There are very few that control almost all the hospitals in the U.S. And then there are really very few insurance entities, uh, health insurance entities that control. So we have that problem of monopolies and oligarchies, which are the basically getting away from those is what brought people to the U.S. shores to, or the the colonial shores and then the U.S. shores to begin with, is that Europe, because of its elitist um, structure and its class structure and its royal structure, was a system of oligarchies and monopoly. And because of the lack of freedom, that's what brought people here. And we've just, over time, reproduced it. Because power wants more power. I mean, it's just a natural tendency. And unless the uh, people really do act and with their ballot and um, ask for individual freedom, individual responsibility, uh, then they're going to be getting more and more power concentration. Uh, and one of the power concentrations was the Affordable Care Act, which was really meant to be a compromise between a free market system and a national health care system. Well, those two things really don't compromise. But the idea was put in place a mandate that everybody had to have health insurance. And so we're, we're picking up those that have self-selected out and supposedly that's going to reduce the prices. But the problem is, is when they tried doing that with Hillary Healthcare, uh, back when the Clintons were in, in office, it didn't work because the insurance companies were not in favor of it. And so they lobbied against it. And so it didn't pass. Having learned that lesson with the affordable care act, they gave the insurance companies incentives that subsidized what they were doing and ensured that they were going to get paid. And and besides here's the deal, everybody has to have insurance. Oh, well that's pretty good for insurance companies. Um, And, when we think of the health exchange, you know, somebody can't afford insurance, they can go on the health exchange. Well, what is that? It's government run, but it is operated by private insurance companies, which is pure socialism. Mm. You know, the idea of socialism is the government either owns or offer or regulate the means and method of production. So that is, the absolute definition of a socialist model. Um, you know, okay, health ins- insurance companies, you exist as private entities, but only because you're doing exactly what the government told you um, to do. And you're willing to do exactly what the government told you to do because your payments are guaranteed and or subsidized. So the article that you mentioned the MIT expert calls for a total overhaul of the U.S. health insurance system, points out that 150 uh, million Americans are um, covered by private employee employer-provided insurance. Okay. Well, that's kind of good for them, but it also points out that they have $140 billion in unpaid medical debt for the, all Americans, and three-fifths of that, as is by people who have health insurance. Well, I thought that was the whole point of the Affordable Care act and mandating all this and having government intervention and subsidizing. So we haven't corrected the problems that existed before. We've really just expanded them and given people less choices. Hmm. So those people who um, have the employee-provided health insurance. That's $1,871 per month premium that the employee pays for. That's the average across the U.S. The employee portion of that. All right. With Share Healthcare, we're a 501c3 Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So we have every incentive and every reason. In fact, our only reason to exist is to provide people a, a way to affordably share one another's medical expenses. That same person, instead of having the employee provided health insurance at $1,871, if they were on share health care, they'd have $349 per month. That's an enormous, huge difference. What's the difference? Freedom. That's the only thing is the difference. And I can say that's the only thing because we have in the scripture, for the spirit is the Lord and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So, our members are Christians. We're Christian-owned and operated, or not Christian-owned because it's 501c3, but Christian run by our board and operated. And that means we have the Spirit of the Lord. And when we realize we're working more in a uh, out-of-human effort, we pull back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you start working again. Mm-hmm. Our, our members are, are Christians. And so they have that Spirit of the Lord and where there is liberty. Our members are able to go to any doctor they want There's no network. The doctor is able to provide the care that they think is appropriate for that patient and that the patient agrees with. Um, We do things, we share the medically necessary medical expenses that are not repugnant to God. We don't share in abortifacients. We don't share in um, abortions. We don't share in gender destruction to deterioration care. Um, We don't... uh, the members have to agree that they do not use tobacco in any form. Um, I'm a teetotaler, but the Bible isn't, but it does say drink only in moderation. So we define that as two to three drinks a week. You know, if you're at a wedding or or just out on a Saturday night uh, at, at a big restaurant and um, you want to have some red wine with that or you're at a fish restaurant, and you want some white wine with that, well, okay, two to three drinks a week, fine. Um, those are big explanations and the fact that if you have a body of people who are Christians, they're going to be praying. Prayer actually is effective. It's not just talking into the paint on the wall. It's talking to the creation creator of the universe, and it it makes a difference. So, how do I know that? And I'll compare one thousand eight hundred seventy-one dollars a month to three hundred forty-nine. That's pretty good proof right there. Yeah.
0: So why can't it be? So much less expensive, like tie that and make it more clear what you're saying.
1: Well, God provide, you know, as, as Abraham found out the Lord provide, he tells us that he's looking out for us. So we are trying to do things in accordance with this will. We have much less bureaucracy. And so that has a lower cost. We are not uh, dictated to by the Affordable Care Act. Healthcare sharing ministries are exempt from it. Uh, we aren't insurance, so we're exempt from the insurance laws of the state. Fellows, so state regulators, you know, ch- try to chip away at us. And um, we just show them how we don't fit the elements of insurance. And so because of that, we don't have that bureaucracy. Uh, this is, it, it's in a digital form that we do this, but it's like passing the plate across the, the nation and across the denomination. It's pretty simple. It's complex in the um the intellectual property, let's say, that creates it and allows it to work, but it's very simple in it in this format. A, a person, if they're single, it's one hundred forty nine dollars per month. If they're a couple, it's two forty nine. If they're a family of four, it's you know three forty nine, and then fifty dollars for each child after that. Everybody has a bank account. Every one of the members has a bank account in the same bank that is the only bank in the nation that's been approved by the FDIC and the Federal Reserve to have these. Specifically designated healthcare sharing account. So when, and each person is, their their money is coming in from their home bank account to their credit card or ACH, however they've decided they wanted to fund that bank account. So it goes in every month steadily. And then when there's a medical need, the button is pressed and the round right amount of money goes from everybody's account into that member in needs account. And it goes from there to the provider and a check with their name. And we're able to call them up and say, you know, if, if we can send you your money faster than you've ever gotten in your life, how much will you give us as a discount? And so we're we're getting discounts of, you know, in the 60s, 61, to 65%. And so that makes it less expensive. There's just in pretty much every way that you look at it, we have, um, we'll call it marketing advantages uh, that uh, the government doesn't have or insurance companies don't have. Uh, in terms of speed flexibility, uh, consumer choice, and then also remember I mentioned that thing about the third party payer was the the boogeyman, let's say before the um, uh, before the Affordable Care Act well, the third party payer in this situation is every one of the members because they're the ones that uh, are sharing the cost and they know it and so um, Let's say there's a uh, a bill that, you know, that family can afford to pay without sending it in. Well, guess what they, they do? They they just, just absorb those bills that they can afford to pay without sending it in. Nobody with an insurance uh, coverage is going to do that because that's a contract that they paid for. Here, this is essentially a co-op that people are a community of. And certainly, if they need to send in that, that bill, then do. And it's shared. But many people do just choose not to, so in in all ways um, it it's workable, it lends itself to being affordable it's set up to be that way. Um, but you know even if it wasn't it's it's what God would want us to do because we are pulling away from a corrupt system. How is it corrupt? It pays for things the the government mandates pay for things, and the many of the insurance companies are mandating that the policyholders pay for things that are abhorrent to God. And we just can't be a part of that.
0: Well, Mike, talk about this a little bit. It's a little phrase you use. This is one reason that uh, a nonprofit healthcare sharing ministry like share healthcare can be so much less expensive. I'm going to just say it in four words. You can expound on it. More church, less illness.
1: Yeah. Yes. um, There's been studies about, I think the, the oldest one that I've looked at is the 1978 one, uh, and there's studies from then until now that show that the more people go to church, the less illness they have. Um, the, that 1978 one I was mentioning looked at the relationship of blood pressure levels to church attendance, and they they compared apples to apples and oranges to oranges within the people's other physical issues. You know, if somebody was obese, it was an obese non-church attender compared to a obese church attender, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. Same with socioeconomic race, etc. And they found that there were lower blood pressures among frequent church attenders. Um, well, that makes sense. Christ had said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Uh, another one looked at the connection between church attendance, physical health, social support, and depression. Remember last time Uh, we talked about the epidemic of loneliness. Mm -hmm. Well, this might have been one of the studies that that Surgeon General was looking at. It was found that the frequency of church attendance was found to be positively related to physical health, and frequent church attenders were about half as likely to be depressed. Well, we've had kind of a wave of depression recently, and remember, with COVID, many people who attended church stopped attending Mm -hmm. and started watching... Uh, church on TV or listening to the radio. The interesting thing about that was the study found that not only did the people who listened to Christian radio and Christian TV have none of the positive aspects that church attending did, but it actually had a higher, those people had a higher incidence of depression. Hmm. So actual literal church attendance, fellowship matters. Um, A nationwide study so you want to have large studies when you're looking at this type of thing. A nationwide study comparing the uh, suicide rate of non-church attenders to church attenders found that the suicide rates were much lower among people with frequent church attendance. And that was regardless of whether they were female or male, white or black. Mm-hmm. So pulling away from our culture, up in Canada, there was a study of attempted suicide among Inuit youth. So they were looking for the factor in Native Youth lives that would make suicide seem more or less likely. Guess what? Regular church attendance was found to be the single factor mm. that would most greatly decrease the likelihood of an attempted suicide uh, in inner city Baltimore, which is a pretty bleak place. <laughs> um, middle schoolers, uh, uh, youth age eleven through thirteen, were randomly selected, so they didn't choose themselves for the study. They were randomly selected from two different uh, public middle schools. The kids whose mom attended church at least weekly had greater overall satisfaction with their lives or involvement with their families, better skills in solving health-related problems, and felt greater support from friends. All those things that we want middle schoolers to be having at that time. Okay, so that's kids. Then older people, uh, Duke University did a study of their patients sixty uh, age 60 or older. Those who attended church at least weekly were significantly less likely to have been admitted to the hospital in the previous year. Okay, so this ties into, again, how share healthcare is less expensive. Mm-hmm. So they had fewer hospital admissions, and when they were admitted, they had fewer days in the hospital than those who didn't att- attend church frequently. The unchurched patient spent an average of 25 days in the hospital compared to 11 days for church-attending patients. So that's more than half, which means, of course, more than half the cost. And then, to cap it all off, people who attend church more than once a week have seven years' longer life expectancy than those who don't, regardless of whatever is the cause of their death. Mm. So there was one analysis, uh, a a meta-analysis, of 42 different studies that included a total of 125,000 people on these issues, And the researchers concluded that what, uh, the quote, what really makes for longer life is church attendance. And here's a fantastic quote. They said, it turned out that religiously active people did not have a lower death rate simply because they also happened to be richer or better educated or married or employed or because they smoked and drank less or had better mental health, although they were Mm. and did. (laughs) The effect of public religious activity on the death rate was the same proportionally at all ages and the same in white and African-Americans. Close quote. Mm. The more church, less illness.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, that's the good news for people who are members of share Healthcare, because as you're sharing one another's, health expenses there are fewer of them because they're church people they're people trying to seek god live according to his ways that sounds like a group for you if saving money sounds like a group for you if you're looking ahead to your budget then share Healthcare is well worth your consideration you can find all the details on their website sharehealthcare.com or if you're like some friends of mine you prefer to just talk on the phone give them a call 1-844-SHARE-HC is the toll-free number. one share We've been talking with our special guest, Mike Sharman for Share Healthcare. And for Wave 94, I'm Doug Apple.